0: A wealthy boy who's lost his best friend. You still miss Grandpa, don't you? Meets a lonely, impoverished old man. Cleveland Meriwether. Now that they're together. Sometimes you remind me of someone. Will a tragedy tear them apart? You're just nothing but bad luck. Fred Savage, Hume Cronin. I need you. Christmas on Division Street, Sunday. Hey there, Wonderlings! This is Angela Bowen, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast. And as promised, I am doing the TV movie, the Fred Savage TV Christmas movie entitled Christmas on Division Street. This movie came out in 1991. It is about a good-natured homeless man and an ill-tempered student become friends. This episode, <laughs> episode Golly, I've been doing this for a while, haven't I? This movie's got a 6.8 out of 10 rating, based on 374 ratings on IMDb. It stars Fred Savage. Let me go back here. And I'm trying to pronounce... uh, He plays a homeless man, Cleveland Merriweather. His first name looks like Hume, H-U-M-E, and then Cronin. So, maybe Hume Cronin? This movie was directed by George Caxander? Wow. I'm butchering these names. Award-winning nominee for Outstanding Lead After in a Miniseries or... Okay, so uh, Hume Cronin was nominated. He didn't win, though. Um, And Fred Savage was not nominated at all, either. Um... A lot of good 10 out of 10 reviews, which is awesome. We have a soundtrack here. Deck the Halls, Silent Night, Joy to the World, The Twelve Days of Christmas, Good King Wenceslas. Oh, come all ye faiths. This Good King one, I don't recognize that. Unless maybe it's one of those things where you don't recognize the title, but you hear the song. And then you're like, oh, I know that song. That happens to me all the time. I want to see if I can maybe pull up the movie on Wikipedia just to see if it has any, like, background information, whether this might have been based on a true story or maybe even inspired by one. So I looked up Fandom, and it says that this film is loosely, loosely based on actual events in the life of Trevor Farrell. I want to look up Trevor Farrell. Okay, I did look up Trevor Farrell. Let's see here. Born in 1972, he's an American citizen who, as a young teenager, caught the public's eye for his efforts to assist homeless people. He started Trevor's campaign for the homeless in 1983 when he was 11 years old. On December 8, 1983, he watched a news program on Street People. This prompted him to ask his parents, Frank and Janet Farrell, how he could help. They drove their son into Philadelphia that night to give bedding to a homeless man who was sleeping on the sidewalk in front of the Union League in Center City. He and his parents later established a homeless shelter, Trevor's Place. His parents also authorized a book, also called Trevor's Place. To further describe the actions thus accomplished with a plea for further action, it was published in 85. Trevor's, Trevor Farrell's work was recognized by President Ronald Reagan in the President's 1986 State of the Union Address. Oh, cool. A TV movie dramatizing the shelter's activities titled Christmas on Division Street aired 91. It featured actor Fred Savage as Trevor. A 1994 episode of the series Life Stories, Families in Crisis, titled Brotherly Love, the Trevor Farrell story, also described his efforts. Oh, okay, so we get a little bit of history on Trevor. When Trevor was 18, the family discontinued its efforts in the campaign. Trevor currently works for UPS and runs a thrift shop on Lancaster Avenue. I don't know how true that is. (laughs) It might be true. In 1985, Farrell received the Samuel S. Beard Award for greatest public service by an individual 35 years or under. An award given out annually by Jefferson Awards. Alright, well, you know how they say that Wikipedia, anyone supposedly can edit it. I mean, I would like to believe you know, what's there is hopefully mostly factual, but then again, sometimes like, you take it with a grain of salt. So mo- hopefully most of that is what I told you is factual. So let's jump into this movie. Um, but before I do, one of the things is I found this on YouTube. It is currently on YouTube. So if you would like to watch it after this, my review on it this is the great best time of year to watch it christmas on division street this is the week before christmas so get that christmas movie watching in because it's coming to an end very shortly a week oh my god a week from tomorrow is christmas day i'm looking at my calendar right now oh my gosh and a week from today is christmas eve that's my sister's birthday So, I also want to say that this movie, I'm not staring at it on, like, a DVD screen. It's actually on my computer. So, I'm just going to kind of bounce back and forth between what I'm watching and stuff. Kind of like when I did that other Fred Savage movie, When You Remember Me, that was also on the computer. So, we open up on a shot... No, the title card of the movie. We get a shot of a bridge. I don't know what what bridge it is, but we also get traffic and everything, so. I wonder if it is kind of going to open, like, you're seeing a lot of shots of, like, you know, homeless people and stuff like that, and just their struggle, and just kind of giving you an eye open of their plight and everything. So, we're following this white and wood paneled minivan that's got a tarp over some stuff on the roof so <clears throat> clearly they must be moving like they're whoopsie oh shit I had to get these out of the way um I'm guessing they must be moving or something so Fred Savage plays Trevor Trevor is sitting in the back with his sister who looks to be maybe about 8 or 9 she's like reading facts out of a book and he I think is reading a comic book Okay, she must have gotten the the, uh, History of Philadelphia book, like, at one of those rest stops where you can buy um, books on the town that you're visiting or something. And the father is the one driving, the mom is in the passenger seat, and the dad just looks like he is exhausted. I don't know how many hours he's had to drive, but he looks like he's kind of tired of hearing her... um, recite facts from a book. Like, will you please stop? I know. We're in Philadelphia. I really don't need to hear anything else about Philadelphia. Oh, my bad. He just chuckled. I guess he's cool with it. (laughs) He's like, oh, this is so cute. Oh, she's reading facts about Philadelphia. And we're in Philadelphia. Okay, Dad's fine with it, but I think Mom is like, honey, can you please stop with that and just look out the window? I mean, this is a 91, so cell phones iPads all the technology did not exist yet and I grew up in that era where yeah all you if you didn't have um a Walkman or headphones or whatever to like tune out to you just looked outside and watched the scenery go by (laughs) that was about it. And she's the girl. I looked at the book. She's, like, very early. She's maybe, like, 20 pages into that, like, less than 200-page book. And the mom has had enough. Like, honey, please, no more. I can't take it. So dad is all about the sights here. Um, he's like, hey, let's go take a look at, like, City Hall. And the mom is like, honey, dear, please, let's just keep driving. Traffic is terrible. We need to get where we're going. So, they pull up to the house, they're clearly moving, there's a moving truck there with a guy who's all about wanting to get stuff done, like, hey, where do you want this? The mother is out of the car, like, hey, don't worry, I will tell you where to put everything, and the dad is like, oh, um, 15 minutes from downtown, talk about, like, pure luck, and I'm guessing, because the mom must have grown up there, because she's like, oh, it just looks just how I remembered it. So she probably hasn't been back in quite a while. And I'm guessing that, um, so Trevor's grandfather dies from whatever. Member of, you know, watching a few minutes of this, you know, before when I was searching on YouTube. And so that's got to be her father, because she's talking about how she grew up there and how the house hasn't changed and she's all excited like oh honey little girl my daughter let's go inside and pick out your room and she's also asking you know, where's trevor i don't see him and her husband is like honey don't worry you take our daughter i don't know what her room is right now but um <laughs> take our daughter inside i will talk to our son trevor so the dad opens up the the hatch, you know, the back of the van, and he's like, hey, what do you think? And Trevor's like, does it really matter what I think? And the dad is like, hey, buddy, come on, just just give this a try. And instead of going out the slider door that is right next to his seat, Trevor climbs over the back of the seat and comes out at the back of the van. Why? That just seems like a, what's the point? Just go out this. unless the slider doesn't work, but then if that's the case, then how did the, the daughter get out of there? Did she, I don't know. So we see the front yard of the house and it's littered with moving boxes. Is it just one guy with that moving truck? All right, now we move on to the house. The mom is unpacking clothes. Trevor's there, and he's got a tie. We later learn it's his grandfather's tie. And they've clearly signed him up for private school. Whether he's attended private school before or not, we don't know. And she makes a comment like, Trevor, I don't think that tie is going to go with your uniform. And Trevor's like, I don't care. I'm wearing it. It's like, that is the last piece of his grandpa that he has. He wants to honor his grandfather's memory by wearing his tie. Regardless of whether it goes with his school uniform or not. So if you're wondering, this movie came out in 91 when Fred Savage was probably on hiatus from f- wrapping up uh, season 4 of The Wonder Years. Because it, he doesn't look like he's hit that growth spurt yet that we later see him in season five of The Wonder Years. And Trevor mentions how if this is grandpa's favorite tie, then why didn't they bury him in it? So the grandmother had said that, uh, or told the mother that that was grandpa's favorite tie, that trevor probably would have wanted it and the mother mentioned something about how grandpa used to tickle you with that tie like you'd climb into his lap and you just laugh and laugh i'm like how do you tickle somebody with a tie how does that tick like what like dangle the bottom of it on the bridge of your nose Ah, or, or something i mean i don't know but i don't know so Trevor's mother kind of looks at him sincerely like, oh, you're probably too young to remember that. And Trevor's like, no, I, I remember. So now we get a shot of the school. Okay, he goes to Brynwood Hall. Oh, so now we get a full effect of what the tie looks like. It's really, it's nice. It's got a, like, a pheasant, like, sp- its wings spread out on the bottom of his tie. It's really cool. So, for those of you that have listened to my Punky Brewster podcast, well, know this young boy is Alan Anderson. In this movie, his name is Derek, and he's kind of a bit of a turd. He's not a nice guy, at least to start out with, from what I can see. He's late, which, of course, that just shows that he has no respect for the, you know, getting to school on time, apparently. Or, we don't know. Maybe there's a backstory there. Um, The topic at hand that the teacher is explaining is there's an American history project. And he says that most of you probably already have come up with your topic at hand that you're going to be talking about in your paper. For all of those of you who do not have subjects yet, you can list some on the board and stuff like that. So, Trevor's first day, he's already got to write a report on something from the American history. Wow! That is a... that's a bit. Um, he wants him to pick a topic on the American history of Philadelphia that happened during the Revolutionary Times. It's got to be typed 10 to 12 pages! Oh my gosh. And mind you, they did not have internet back then. They might have had computers, but they really did not have internet to the point where you could search and look up stuff. So you had to go to the library and actually check out books on these subjects. Wow. That My goodness. That is a lot. But then again, these are high schoolers. I'm sure they can come up with something. So, Derek takes a seat right next to trevor is he starting in the middle of the year well wait a minute it's not is it is it december or is it not december yet because the movie's called christmas on division street so unless maybe he might be starting like a month later maybe in october or november or something but then again there wasn't any snow and i know it snows in philadelphia I've not been there, but I'm pretty sure it snows. Oh, he also says that they gotta have a one-page outline of what they're going to do on their paper, like, by tomorrow. Are you- by tomorrow? Are you kid? well, I don't know. And, and this paper's due at the end of the term, so I'm guessing it's gotta be by Christmas time. Because don't you start- you start a new term in January, I think. Oh, the paper's also gonna count for one half of their grade. Holy moo. That's a big one. Could those wooden desks be any smaller? You can barely hold a notebook on that table. So apparently it's Fizzed next as they're playing soccer outside. It's a nice sunny day. The kids are all playing soccer in d- slacks and dress shoes and button up. Be- why aren't they wearing, like, sweatpants or, and a sweatshirt or, 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 or short? Well, maybe not shorts, because it's October. But, um, yeah, you can't kick a ball in dress shoes and slacks. I mean, you could, but you wouldn't be able to get a whole lot of momentum. I mean, I don't think. So Trevor's got the ball, he's, uh, kicking it down the field, of course, Mr. Allen Anderson has to go and, like, block his shot by, like, extending his leg out, and then Trevor trips over it, and he's like, oh, nice shot, new boy! Shut up, Derek (laughs) Allen. Now it's lunchtime, this is gonna be alright. I'm just gonna call him Allen Anderson, or Allen or something, instead of Derek, I don't know. We'll see. Um, I'm like, oh, there's someone in sweatpants, and a- oh, wait, that's a faculty member. Never mind. So, hell, uh, I'll just call him Derek. That's his name. Okay, Derek. He's sitting by himself because he probably has no friends, and he's a big damn bully. So Derek wants to head over. He's like the fucking Malfoy of this movie. It seems like sitting by himself is gonna cause trouble with the new kid. He pulls out a chair, flips it backwards, and sits down. He's like, oh, is that a duck or a chicken on your tie? And then, of course, Trevor's just trying to eat his damn soup, man. Leave him alone. So, he flips his tie kind of up, like, in his face. Like, I said, is that a chicken or a duck? I'm like, shut up. So, Derek's not satisfied, because Trevor's not giving him an answer. Like, oh, I guess there's only one way to find out. Let's see if he can swim. And he takes the bottom of Trevor's tie, dips it in Trevor's soup. And Trevor is pissed. It's like, that was his grandfather's tie, you piece of shit. Trevor, of course, is gonna, uh, knock Derek to the floor. So, the, uh, PE teacher jumps to action, pulls the boys apart, and, of course, Derek's like, oh, it's just a tie! And Trevor's like, yeah, that was my grandfather's tie! And Derek's like, well, go buy him a new one! And, of course, I was thinking, like, you can't, he's dead. And Trevor's like, I, I can't, because he's dead. And, of course, he looks down at me and was like, I can imagine Derek better have a uh, remorseful look on his face, or I'm gonna slap him. He didn't even say sorry! Because now we're back at home and Trevor is trying to get the soup out of that tie. Can can you dry maybe dry? You probably can't wash him but you can dry clean him, right? So his dad comes in as Trevor is trying to clean off the to- towel with like a washcloth or something and he says, I will take it to the cleaners tomorrow and this is more of a dress tie maybe you shouldn't wear it to school. And then he brings up this report that you got to do, what exactly do you need for it? And Trevor's like, well, encyclopedias and stuff like that, so they're probably going to make a trip to the library. May as well get, you know, see what's around town so you know where everything is. So Trevor's dad's got an office job, as he says, well, i got to drop by the office, I will drop you off at the library, may as well. That way you can find what you need. I kind of wonder, at this point, 1991, did they, what would I have been, I would have been nine in 1991, we just had a very small library in elementary school, that's the one that I went to, but I thought it was, gosh, I'm trying to think, I could have sworn like, when I started junior high, you still had to look through the card catalog to get what you needed. But by the time I was, like, eighth grade, like, into high school, everything had been transferred over to you look on the computer to find the the book that you need. Oh, I guess you just go to the, uh, they're at the library, they go to the reference desk, and she looks it up. So it has been on, everything's been put on the computer, so she writes the book down, the call The call number so he can locate it. I actually did work in a library for, like, maybe a couple times a week when I was in seventh grade. It was so cool. It was so cool. I loved it. Now, I guess you gotta have a degree to work in a library, I think. Um, But I remember this one time when I was working, and I loved the book Shiloh by uh, Phyllis Naylor... Uh, what the heck's the last name? I can't remember. Anyway, um, the sequel book, uh, Shiloh Season, had come out. And they hadn't even put the plastic on it yet, because it wasn't really- But they let me take it home that weekend, and I got to read it. Before anyone else got to read it, and that was really cool. Oh, okay, so he does get a temporary card. And she- points to where american history is and she says is there anything specific that you're looking for that you'd like me to look up he's like oh no not yet because he's still gotta ooh, he's gotta come up with something fast so he can get an outline because an outline of what he wants to do is due the next day which is too soon but then again if he started like october november the teacher probably was talking about that project like on the first day of school in september So, Trevor's got his notebook, so he's all set. His dad looks at his watch and says, Alright, um, meet me out front in an hour. Oh, man. Are you gonna keep- Well, he's got a watch. I think Trevor's got a watch in his arm, so he could- Like, if it's got an alarm, you can, like, just set it for, like, an hour or something. Or, no, that would be a timer. I don't know. So, before his dad heads out, Trevor's like, Oh, can I have a buck for the snack machine? I'm like, well, what about another buck, like- for something to wash your snack down with i mean you don't want to have a dry mouth it's always good if you're gonna have a snack have something to wash it down with water or a pot or juice or something either the dad usually talks just above a whisper or he's taking that please be quiet or whisper sign seriously <laughs> It's like, oh, I think I owe you your allowance anyway. Here you go. Remember, meet me outside in an hour. So Trevor's kind of walking along in this one aisle, and I notice, like, you have books, like, next to, you know, stacked next to each other. On the very bottom shelf, they have books stacked, like, on top of one another. It's like, what? That's inconvenient. Hopefully he doesn't need anything from the bottom shelf. So as soon as Trevor pu- starts to pull a book off the shelf, he hears this weird... I don't know whether it's a growl, be- bet- cross between a growl and a snore or someone just, no, like, t- not that book. And, and Trevor, like, stops pulling on the book and kind of looks around, like, where is that coming from? So Trevor pulls out a book. It's got kind of a copperish gold cover on it and it just says in letters the Guggenheim and then as soon as he pulls it out you hear a voice and nah, you can do better than that as he pulls the buck out there's a face on the other side like whoa this one's got a face behind it and he kind of the guy kind of winks at Trevor the guy looks like he's probably in his 50s well he, the guy's just trying to be helpful like ah you can do better does he know that <laughs> Trevor's got an assignment on the, um, history of Philadelphia, something about it? Before, uh, during the American Revolution or something? So Trevor puts the book back and starts heading down the row of books. And then he turns a corner, boom! The, the guy is like right there, whoa, whoa! I almost ran into you, buddy. <laughs> so the homeless man asks, Trevor if he needs any help. And of course, Trevor's a little nervous. Like, he doesn't know this guy, this man. And he's like, no, not really. And, um, the homeless man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look up his name, because I don't want to keep calling him the homeless man. Cleveland. Okay, uh, Cleveland says, oh, American history, right? Since, you know, Trevor's in that general airy he's like all right come with me so i'm kind of wondering like probably there are a lot of kids that got to go to that library to look up american history so like all right he's gonna find you a good book i mean that guy probably spends all the time in the library so he knows books this guy knows it's like all right let me guess you got a term paper right and you don't know what to do it on and trevor's like uh yeah (laughs) But Trevor's like, um, sir, mister, if you're trying to panhandle me, it's like, I got no money. So Trevor's like, hasn't anyone ever told you not to talk to strangers? And I love Cleveland's response here. It's like, well, if no one ever talked to strangers, how would they ever get to know anybody? Well, I mean, that's understandable. But then it's also important to be a little wary of people. It's like you got to make a judgment call. You got to be careful. Especially in today's age. So, we got some bespectacled guy um, in a suit and a tie that probably works in the reference section of the library. He's like, hey, fella, won't you leave the kid alone? He's probably like, thinking you're a vagrant. Don't accost the library patrons, please. Oh, the guy addresses him like, hey, pal, like, can you leave the kid alone? And Cleveland's like, well, first of all, I'm not your pal. And second of all, it's none of your damn business. So the bespectacled librarian man looks at Trevor's like, hey, is this guy bothering you? And Trevor's like, uh, and Cleveland's like, well, speak up. Trevor tells him, oh, it's under control. It's fine. Of course, before the bespectacled librarian man walks away, he's like, damn bums. Like, what the hell? You are a jerk. So this is where Cleveland introduces himself as Cleveland Merriweather. He's like Minister of Education at your service. This guy's got charm. He has got charm. And he's got a way just his aura just he, he's friendly and he's but he's he's not really so much gruff. You know but he handles himself well. So instead of taking his hand, Trevor just was like, uh, that guy just called you a bum. And Cleveland just brushes off like, oh, that's a matter of opinion. I mean, what do you think? And Trevor just looks at him like, uh, yeah, I guess you are a bum. <laughs> it's like, being honest, I mean, judging by his appearance, I mean, he's got a, a nice silk scarf and a, um, a jacket on, but he's got one of those, like home-alone black stocking cap that, you know, Harry would wear. And his hair's a little bedraggled and semi-maybe a little unclean. And he's wearing glasses. He's not clean-shaven. So. So, Cleve, as he says his friends call him, picks out a book for Trevor and says, it's a book on Richard, is it Saunders? Songer. I think he said Sonder. He said, this guy's an interesting man. So, Cleve says that this Richard Songer, Sonder person well, ran away, you know, quit school when he was about Trevor's age, ran away from home, wanted to see the world. I guess the guy's a bit of a jokester or something. He said he tells a lot of good jokes. And Cleve hands the book to Trevor, and Trevor's a little hesitant to take it. Like, I think we're supposed to, like, deal with more, like, a, a heavyweight, like, a maybe a bigger, like, issue or something they had to deal with Philadelphia during the American Revolution. And, and Cleve is, like, just shoving the book. Like, no, no, take it, take it. There's a lot of good jokes in there. And apparently that book was, like, the first book that the guy had written, the Richard guy. And Trevor Hansvick, like, eh, I don't think so. And Cleve's like, well, what about a... A, Amer- uh, a statesman or something like that. Like maybe that's probably where he's looking for. You know, something like that. Someone that like had a big impact on Philadelphia during the American Revolution. It's like, how about someone who was a inventor, a philosopher, a musician, world traveler, all that stuff. Eh, that could be interesting. I, I'd definitely take him up on it. And Trevor's like, alright, well that may work. So Cleve just hands him the book back. Like, oh, whatever, okay, I'll try it. Okay, so Cleve says Saunders, okay, it's Saunders, was just his pen name. His real name was... He that most people knew him by that he went by was Benjamin Franklin okay wow I did not know that <laughs> so Trevor and Cleve are sitting down at one of the tables and Cleve is talking to Trevor about Benjamin Franklin and how he kind of came to town like with with nothing and how he kind of built himself up and invented things and this and that and of course trevor is just really just listening to, C- to Cleve and everything and-, and Cleve at one point is kind of looking at trevor like are you are you uh getting this down and he- trevor's like oh yes yes sir and and of course um Cleve is all like oh um it's just cleveland just save that sir sort of crap for uh someone else my customer service, um, you know that's how I address people, you know, sir, ma'am, stuff like because unless you know their name and you you know actually like know them by name, I mean, but even still it's it's the respected thing to do. Oh no, he says the name is Cleve. Save that sir crap for the army. <laughs> I love Trevor's comeback here. He's like, "Well, you did say you were the minister of education," and Cleveland's like, "And don't you forget that." <laughs> that already they have a, a repertoire that is just. They co- seem to be. Trevor seems to be really comfortable in, in Cleve's presence, which is nice because Cleve just he comes off as a nice well-to-do guy that just seems to be a bit down on his luck and everything we really we don't know Cleve's backstory we don't know how he came to be you know without a home and living on the streets and everything so that's an interesting piece of information here that we get as Cleve points to trevor's temporary library card he says that Benjamin Franklin actually started the first library subscription with with the card that was his idea. I'm like, "Really? I'm going to look that up real quick." So yeah, it looks like yeah, he did start the first library in Philadelphia th- and um some other uh members of his uh of his club. That is really interesting. And just looking at Benjamin Franklin's uh photo he looks like a real distinguished man just really really just intellectual and, and everything he just he just seems to have an air about him just in that photo like that guy seems so wise and he could teach you so many things so Trevor as he's listening to Cleve go on he's like wow how do you know all this it's like Trevor is so in awe of this man that just comes up to him in the library he just spouts all this knowledge. And of course, Cleve is kind of, you know, trying to like, no, 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 no. Pay attention here. Benjamin Franklin also, I wouldn't say that he had a dark side, but he wasn't always, he wasn't the, oh, 100% the most perfect person. You know, he loved his women. He loved his wine. And he loved his nights out with the boys. So he was, yeah, I mean, everyone, if you think about it, they got one person that they are too, too, you know, you are with your work people, you are with your family, you're kind of, you are with your friends. It's like different pieces of yourself get delved out to these different parts of you. So, it, it's just kind of cool. It's just how you are at work is probably not how you are at home. It's almost like, you know they say, I got my work hat on, I got my home hat on, I got my friend's hat on, and and, and just, yeah. So, apparently, Benjamin Franklin and his drinking buddies all told the King of England to go to hell. And Trevor <laughs> is looking at Cleveland, I can't put that in here, I can't put that in my report. So, Cleve tells him, like, yeah, you ever heard of the uh, Declaration of Independence? And Trevor's like, yeah, but that go-to-hell isn't in there. And Cleve just kind of looks like, isn't it? You got a set of encyclopedias at home? And Trevor's like, yeah, but they're all in boxes. We just moved here. So, and this is the part that, I was a little leery, because he, uh, Cleve asked Trevor, like, hey, do you have some money? I can make copies for you of, uh, the Declaration of Independence, or something like that, and Trevor is hesitant, like, I don't have any money, although, and then for a second, like, well, wait a minute, his dad gave him something for the snack machine, and even Trevor kind of hesitates, like, he's kind of wondering, like, is this what this guy's about? He was just talking to me to get me to think he's a cool guy and then ask me for money. Like, uh... But Trevor relents and he starts to go into his pocket or his bag to pull out, uh, like, the money that his dad gave him. So Trevor pulls the money out and Cleve kind of looks at Charlie... Charlie, what am I saying, Charlie? Uh, Cleve looks at Trevor... And he can see, like, the look on Trevor's face. Like, he really is unsure whether to give him that. Even though it's probably, like, a buck. And Cleve says, you don't trust me, do you? And Trevor doesn't say anything. But you can, just by the look on his face, it's just like... You know, you're talking to me about Benjamin Franklin. We're getting along, and all of a sudden it's like... Do you have money? Can you give me... Money or something. It's like, Yeah, you kind of... But Trevor hands over the money. Cleve gets up and walks off, probably to make copies. And we see Trevor's dad kind of standing, looking in his direction. He's over by the car- card catalog. And I don't know... The expression on his face, I'm just kind of thinking... Whether he wasn't expecting his son to just hand over his money to a, what looks like a homeless person. So his dad is not happy. It's like, I told you to meet me out front. But I'll, of course he's whispering. And he's like, who's that guy that you were talking to? It's like, he's just a guy. He's nobody. And his dad kind of lets him know, like, hey, this is a tough city. It's not best for you to just go around talking to strangers. And I get Trevor's point. He's like, oh, "All right, Dad, fine. Then who can I talk to around here because everyone's a stranger? It's like, that's understandable. I mean, yeah, it's great to be, it's important to be wary of people and possibly their intentions and kind of have your guard up. You don't, you can't just go around trusting just anybody, but I. I don't know. So now we're back to Brinwood Hall. It looks like the next day, and everyone is filing into the... I'm guessing this has got to be, like, history class or something, if they all have projects due about how uh, Philadelphia came into play during the um, revolution. So Trevor's sitting at his desk, and Derek comes in and sits, sits next to him, because his seat is right there, and accidentally knocks over Trevor's notebook and paper... And Derek doesn't say anything, he just politely just hands it back to him as Trevor bends down to go pick it up. So, I would like to maybe hope a little that maybe the fact that Derek was trying to be mean with the whole uh, tie in the soup thing, and that Trevor said, hey, my dad is dead, not his dad, his grandfather, guys, I'm sorry. Um, maybe that might have semi-softened I'd like to hope that maybe Derek isn't gonna be an all-around cruel character that maybe he is... maybe got a heart in there somewhere that actually is good. Okay, well, I just rescind whatever the hell I just said about that piece of shit, Derek. He just took Trevor's idea. You piece of shit! Damn it, I thought he might have had a heart in there somewhere. I'm guessing I was wrong. Great. Just great. Because he said, my project's on The Secret Life of Benjamin Franklin. No! Ugh! So the teacher calls on Trevor next. Like, where are you going to do it on? And he is- Trevor stands up. He's on us. Well, I mean, I did have something- I was going to do mine on Benjamin Franklin, but it looks like someone already picked him. Hence, Derek right there with a smug smirk on his face. And luckily, the teacher is generous. He does say, well, Benjamin Franklin lived well into his elderly years. There's plenty on Benjamin Franklin for both of you to do. So, yeah. Trevor, I would really, really suggest maybe keeping your stuff in a bag where that boy cannot get to it or ask to be reassigned to another seat so class is dismissed the kids are kind of pouring out of the school and trevor's walking along Derek, of course does not know trevor's name as he keeps referring to him as a new boy hey new boy hey new kid um i talked to the teacher And I, oh, before that, he says, I'm sorry about the tie. If I'd have known, I wouldn't have done that. And he's like, I talked to the teacher. Um, we're going to work together, you and me, on the Benjamin Franklin report. And Trevor just looks at him like, the hell we are? No. And the teacher, I guess, sides with Derek. uh, Maybe this is a good way to have Trevor get to know other people. Or get out of his shell or something. So, Derek's like, hey, look, if we're going to be working together, we can ride the train together. Have you ever done it before? No? All right. Well, I'll show you how. And Kevin, there we go again, guys. <laughs> there we go again. Trevor is really, uh, I don't, he does not, if it's anyone not to trust, it's going to be Derek. Just like Derek Taylor from Silver Spoons. You don't trust that Derek, you clearly don't trust this Derek. I'm giving him a chance, a chance to turn it around and surprise me into thinking this guy's a decent person. We'll see. Like I said, I've not seen this movie before, so he might surprise me. Okay, well, you know what? That was my last chance for you, Derek, you asshole. He shows him how to get a ticket at the railroad station, what have you. He holds on to the ticket, Derek does, because he took it as the machine printed it out, and he's like, oh, you gotta make sure it prints perfectly, blah, 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 blah. And then he gets onto the train, and he ends up pushing Trevor off. Like, oh, you can always walk. So, Trevor put his money in, and Derek took the ticket, and basically said like, you gave me a free ticket here to, you, oh, I hate this damn kid, I fucking hate his ass. So, the train pulls away, Trevor's banging on the window saying, hey, hey, that's all the money I got, oh, poor Trevor. So, we do get a shot of the street, and we do see on the side of a building, it says Division Street. Okay. So, is this where Cleve hangs out. So, Trevor is approaching a man who is playing a sax. We see that he's got his saxophone case open. We see some, do- like, some change and some dollar bills being thrown down. I hope that Trevor isn't going to steal that man. I don't think he would. Maybe this is where he meets up with Clive again. So, a quarter falls out of the... That someone dropped and it fell out of the case and onto the sidewalk. And Trevor's looking down and I'm like, oh, please, please don't take that quarter. And of course, Trevor reaches down, but I think it's more with the intention to put it back in the case. The guy playing the sax takes his foot and places it right over Trevor's hand. Like, hey, put that back. Don't touch it. And Trevor's like, I wasn't going to take it. I was going to put it back. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was watching. I've been watching you, you know, coming down the street and everything. He's like, I'm going to break your wrist. And then he releases Trevor, and Trevor just runs the other way. Like, this guy is like, that's all the money that guy's got. So, he's not letting anyone take it. Poor Trevor, sitting on a bench. I mean, does he even know where he is in Philadelphia? He might not. So, I mean, an umbrella appears, or with an umbrella appears, and it's Cleve. And he's like, oh, I didn't recognize you in this getup. Did you join the stock exchange? And Trevor's like, it's my uniform for school. And then he mentions how, hey, you owe me a dollar. Cleve pulls out the paper that he copied because for Trevor, um, had taken off, he was unable to get it to him, and Trevor's not, he's like, how much do copies make cost? And Cleve says, 25 cents. He's like, well, then you owe me 75 cents. Cleve's like, nope, 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 that was my consulting fee, so we're even, as he walks off, and Trevor is following him, like, what are you talking about? So Trevor's like, I need the 75 cents, I need to get home. Cleve's like, well, I spend it, I don't have any money, I'm sure to change. And then he kind of, Trevor goes to walk off, and Cleve puts his arm around his shoulder. It's like, oh, I, good thing you caught me, I'm just on my way to the bank. I'm like, oh, the bank. We see a packet of blood. Oh, he meant the blood bank! So for eight minutes, you get eight bucks for donating your blood. Cool. I wonder how often you can do that. I tried to donate plasma once, but apparently they couldn't find... Like, my veins were, quote-unquote, too small. Really. Too small to donate plasma. Oy, oy, oy. So, Cleve asks Trevor, like, hey, where do you live? And he said something like Godwin or something like that. And, of course, Cleve's like, oh, like the Ritzy area. So, Trevor's like, well, where do you live? And... Cleve's like, oh, somewhere around here. He says, like, Midtown or something like that. And he's like, oh, okay. So, Cleve's got his money, hands Trevor a buck, and then he gives him another dollar, as Trevor's like, oh, well, I only need the one. And Cleve's like, interest, interest. As he hands him the other stuff it in his pocket. Like, alright. You know, I'm really starting to wonder if... Derek even talked to that teacher at all. I think that he didn't say shit to that teacher, and he's just fucking with him again. I would really want to be sitting somewhere else, not next to that piece of shit, kid. So, we're in the what looks like the school library, I'm guessing. Trevor's working on the Benjamin Franklin report. And Derek has to come over like, oh, how's our report doing? And Trevor just looks at him like, I'm not doing our report. There's no us in this. And Derek's all butthurt like, oh, you're not so sore about the whole terrain thing. Like, i be like, get the fuck away from me before I kill you. So apparently in Derek's defense, it's like, oh, when I came here, they did the same crap to me. It's what guys do. Don't just try to justify your actions. How does Trevor even know that that's even true? You could be spouting more bullshit. I mean, he has no reason to trust anything that comes out of your mouth, kid. So Derek's all like, oh, we don't have to be enemies and everything, and everyone here is fake, and it's been a year, and no one will be my friend or talk to me. And Trevor just looks at him like, yeah, I wonder why. You're not exactly a nice person to be around. So, Trevor pretty much tells Derek to shove his thank you or shove his what have you up his ass, like stick it, and then get away from me. And the teacher's like, hey, both of you boys, enough. It's like... So, Trevor decides to head to the library, hopefully maybe to see Cleve and get some more info on uh, Benjamin Franklin, maybe? So, Trevor's in the library and we see him... Right, Benjamin Franklin by Trevor, I think his name is Atwood, and Derek Withers, I think his last name is. And he's got six books stacked in front of him, so that must be where he compiled a bit of his information. So Trevor gets up, and he's kind of looking around for Cleve, and he does find him at the table reading a paper, and I think it's funny how Trevor goes to the table and kind of bends the top of the paper, like, downward, and so he and Cleve are looking, like, eye to eye. He's like, I actually, I need you here to help me. And probably just to go over his paper and make sure it sounds good and everything. Which is always good to have someone maybe proofread it before you hand it in. That way you have another person's eyes to go over if there's any mistakes, whether it be uh or uh anything else. That way you can fix it, retype it, whatever before you need to turn it in. So Trevor's got a little bit, but he's like, okay, now uh here you write the rest. It's like and I agree with Cleve's like, son, I'm not writing your paper for you. And Travis like, oh well I'll pay you. And Cleve's like, no, it would not be right for the Minister of Education to like write your paper for you. So, Cleve can sense, like, something's going on with Trevor, like, what's going on? You know, you look like you got a problem. And then, out of the darkness, magically appears that asshole in glasses, library, associate, whoever. He's got a walkie-talkie on him, because Cleve's like, oh, oh, uh, pretend that you don't know me. La 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 la. Like, (sighs) That man is not doing a damn thing wrong. He's just sitting there talking to that kid. He's not out asking people for money or anything. He has a right to be there. Oh, Okay, okay. So this is this man we have not seen. He's. It looks like he's got a badge on his sweater that says security on it. I, we've not seen this man before. And he's like, alright, Cleve. He knows Cleve by name, because he probably comes in there every day. He's like, what have I told you about bothering the patrons? And Cleve's like, well, I'm not bothering And I'm like, yeah, definitely. Trevor, just speak up and say, like, he's not bothering me. So... He asks Trevor, like, hey, is this guy bothering you? Trevor's like, no, no, he's not bothering me at all. And he's... And the security guy goes to, like, take Cleve by the arm and Cleve's like, I can walk, I can walk. As he... (laughs) He's got Trevor's notebook. He's like, shoot, my report, because, and the security guy says something about, let's go see your social worker. He's got a social worker? All right. All right, so now we're introduced to a new guy. We see a vehicle pull up that says Department of Social Services. And we see this guy who's kind of got a mustache beard combo going on. He must be Cleve's uh, social worker. Maybe we can get a little hint or a backstory into Cleve's background, because that would be kind of helpful, just to maybe find out why he's on the street and everything, and a little more about him, because really we don't know much. So the social services guy is actually pretty decent. He's like, oh, you know, I, I figured if anyone had a chance of making it, you know, it would be you. You know, why, why are you back on the streets again? He mentions a halfway house. So that kind of leaves a couple options. Cleve could maybe be a recovering drug addict, or alcoholic, or... I don't see this guy as someone who would be committing a crime, like robbing a a store or anything like that, so... So, the social worker takes Cleve to his home, which is probably somewhere down an alley, I, I would guess. Um... And he just... See, well, I guess they mentioned another guy who got roughed up by some kids who was in the hospital, and that Cleve was asking about, and he said, yeah, the you know, the guy's you know doing all right. You know, he walked out of the hospital feet first. And now the thing is, the social worker's like, do I have to write up a report about you? This, I'm hearing that you're hanging out with kids, which that alone does not sound like a good thing. So I'm hoping that Cleve kind of uh, straightens that out and uh, explains what that is. So as they're walking, Trevor is following them. And I notice the social worker is kind of walking with a cane. He looks like someone who might be, like, in his late 30s, early 40s. So maybe it could be a war injury or uh, an injury that he needs to use a cane for. And the social worker, before he leaves, he says... You're the exact kind of guy that parents warn their kids to stay away from. And Cleve is like, he kind of is looking down like, yeah, I I know. I know as he walks away. And Trevor's still following him. He kind of hunkers down behind the front of a car. And we see this guy who's on a skateboard who's, uh, doesn't look like he has legs, but he's using the skateboard as a way of transportation. So Trevor happens upon... Cleve with some other homeless people, and Cleve's got the umbrella, which actually does have a hole in the fabric, and he's got the umbrella, like, open, and that way it can kind of shade him from, like, rain and stuff, but he's basically living in a cardboard box. Oh my goodness. I don't know what that halfway house was like, but, I mean, it must have been pretty bad if he couldn't have stayed there. I mean, it's December, a cardboard box and umbrella is not going to give you a whole lot of shelter. It might give, you know, if it's raining, if it's snowing, it's going to get cold. So we're back at school and Derek sits down next to Trevor in the hallway, says, hey, my uncle's going to be here this time, he's going to kick my ass, I really need that report. And Trevor's like, well, I don't have it. It's like, good grief. Then maybe you need to get your butt kicked once in a while, Derek. I don't know. So, Trevor leaves the school and he decides to head back to where he saw Cleve taking a nap in his cardboard box with his umbrella. When he gets there, Cleve is not there, but he does happen to find his red notebook that, for a second there, it's like, I'm kind of wondering does he have that stuff? And there Because he was flipping through it. When he was flipping through it, it's almost like whether the pages had been ripped out. But the guy who was playing the saxophone earlier grabs Trevor out of the cardboard box, and he's kind of manhandling him, thinking that uh, Trevor's going to steal Cleve's stuff, which he doesn't have much. But anyway, uh, luckily Cleve comes by and says, Hey, lay off the kid. I know him. We have no secrets. And the guy's name is Scorpio, Mr. Scorpio, who in turn is the minister of music. Whereas Cleve is the minister of education. So they all have their talents. So I'm guessing the pages have been ripped out or something because Cleve tells Trevor, how about you come by Saturday? We can actually work on the report and make it something that your teacher will actually grade a... A good uh, give you a good letter grade for, and Cleve noticed the name Derek on Trevor's paper. Like, who is this Derek guy? Is he a friend of yours? And uh, of course, the expression on Trevor's face lets him know, like, no, Derek is no friend of mine. But Cleve says, hey, why don't you bring Derek along and. Trevor's like, no. Well, for the first thing, he is not going to want to show up here. They're not friends. <laughs> so Cleve says that's the deal, and Trevor's like, why? And Cleve brings up a good point. Well, because if this Derek is going to have his name also on your paper, he's going to be having to put in the work, which, understandably, yes. Sorry, but if you're working on a project together, you both have to put in 50 50- 50 50, 100%. So Trevor's like, no, no, forget it. And he starts to walk off, and Cleve's like, hey, we didn't, no secrets. And then Trevor just blows up at Cleve, like, oh, you want to talk no secrets? Yeah, you pass yourself off as this minister of education. Yet, he basically, he just tells him, like, you're just nothing but a bum. And that is kind of hurtful. I mean, it's understandable, yes, but still. You're just, he's, Trevor, you're angry. You're lashing out. This man is willing to help you. And just the look of recollection on Trevor's face and realization of what he said, it's just like, he's so angry, but then this realization about what just came out of his mouth just hits him. He's like, oh, shit, I shouldn't have said that. And Cleve's face, oh my goodness, this man, just breaks my heart. And Izzy he just like, yep, mm-hmm, just like everyone else. And he walks away, sadly. So Cleve goes to sit down on this old recliner as Trevor, he wants to say something, but he's got his pride or whatever. So he just huffs off and leaves. Now we see him playing a Game Boy in his room, listening to his walkman and he's just kind of sulking and feeling bad about what he said so now we get to Cleve and scorpio who scorpio's like hey you're wasting your time this kid is never gonna show all right i'm gonna go make some money because they place a bet on whether or not trevor's gonna show and as soon as scorpio turns around to leave Cleve's like, all right he puts his hand like pay up pay up here 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 they come there. And we see Trevor and Derek. How do they convince Derek to come? So Clay's like, all right, let's go. Uh, Derek calls Trevor back and says, hey, he, the guy's a bum. And Trevor just takes the few pages that he's done and gives it to Derek. says, here, take them. I don't need them. I never wanted to be your partner anyway. And they both kind of walk off like, good. Get out of here, Derek. Hand in that crappy D paper. So, Trevor apologizes for calling Cleve a bum, and they start to walk off. But Cleve's like, well, wait, what about him? And Trevor just kind of shrugs his shoulders like, what about him? So, Cleve's like, alright, well, you know what, it's your paper. Like, yeah, it is. Let you two work on this masterpiece that you guys got going. Is anything better than what old Derek will cook up? So Cleve kind of takes Trevor around to different areas of the c- city, kind of, uh, we get a little montage. They so stop by the Liberty Bell, and there's this guy taking pictures of people, you know, Polaroid pictures for free. I mean, he doesn't charge them. And Cleve says, hey, you take a picture of me and my buddy here, my friend, and, oh, that's so cute. I think that picture's going to come back into play later. It's going to be a nice memento. So, Cleve takes Trevor to the gravesite where Benjamin Franklin and his wife, I believe, are buried. And he does this trick where here's a penny or something like that. You spit on it a couple times, toss it onto the grave after you make a wish. I've not heard of that before. So, he gives Trevor a penny and... Trevor spits on it, gets ready to throw it, but then right before he... Cleve's like, all right, but the thing is, it doesn't count unless it comes up heads. So, luckily, Trevor throws it, it lands, it lands on heads. All right. So, Cleve and Trevor are kind of walking. We do hear, I guess, it's been like 20 years since he's had a real job, and I guess he came from, uh, Cleve came from Indiana, like, okay, and he kind of says that, you know, he's kind of made uh Philadelphia kind of his home, so, yeah. You know, I honestly think that the reason that Trevor is hanging around um Cleve is because, because, well, Trevor does say, you know, you remind me of someone. I think he's going to say, you know, his grandfather. So that's why it's like he misses his grandpa, and he sees this man that, you know, he probably didn't, I doubt he resent probably doesn't result. It's the fact that this guy is, he's nice and he's kind of taking Trevor under his wing and and, and kind of helping him and stuff like that. So, and when Trevor tells Cleve, like, you remind me of someone and Cleve's like, oh yeah, who? Trevor says, well, my grandfather, he, he died a few months ago. And Cleve, like, well, I'm sorry to hear that. I guess, well, Cleve had taken like this lid off a trash can and I guess there's these little, blue carnation type things that, um, Cleve puts in his, uh, lapel. And then he also does the same for, um, Trevor, which is really nice. So Cleve and Trevor seem to be heading back to the alleyway and there's a corner there. There's a dead body that's zipped up and, the, um, his caseworker, Cleve's caseworker is there, and he says that it's a little gay, guy named Jake, so I'm guessing this is, like, a teenager or something that they found in a dumpster or something, or garbage can, All oh, but, oh. So, I forgot what the guy's name, the, uh, caseworker is, or social worker, and he's like, what's your name, what's your name, and Trevor's like, oh, uh, Trevor, and the social worker just kind of looks at Cleve like Cleve, what are you what are you hanging around this kid for come on now this this does not look right so the guy is trying to put the fear of god or put the fear or something into trevor he's like hey kid where are you from great you know what you really should not be hanging around here a kid was just killed this is not a playground And he's like, you need to get your butt home. It's like, whoa, who is this dude? Why are you talking to him this way? So Cleve does. He's like, yeah, he's right. Well, he calls him shortstop like it's a nickname or something. I thought there was something like a baseball player because Trevor said when he introduced himself, my name's Trevor. And Cleve had said something like, oh, like the baseball player. So he calls him shortstop. And he's like, you, he's right. You got enough for your report. You should, you know, write a good one. And he kind of sends him on his way. All right. So now we get a shot of a church building and it's like a, um, it must be like after church or something that they get like a free dinner or maybe it's to help to feed the, uh, the needy. And, um, the husband, um, Trevor's dad is not too happy. Like his wife is, it's one thing to be helping out with the outreach program and everything like that, a clothing drive or something. But he's like, well, yeah, it's okay to help out, but now it seems like you're running the whole thing. And Trevor, this kind of perks his ears up, like, oh, the clothing, like, where are they sending it? And she says something like Romania or some place. And Trevor's like, well, that's dumb. Why can't they just give, you know, the clothes to people here that need it? And she said, well, it's not up to me. And Trevor's like, oh, that's stupid. And his father's like, what was that? And what is his dad's problem? His dad is coming off like a kind of an ass, well, I'm not going to say asshole. He He's just, he seems unlikable at this point. So we get a shot of this computer screen that with, uh white type on it. Reminds me of the end of Doogie Hauser where he would always have like a lesson at the end of the episode that would appear on his, it's like a computer journal. And yeah, so Trevor's working on his report, which is great. I hope that Trevor's citing his stuff because that's also really important. I mean, yeah, you're taking this from the the word of mouth of Cleef, but it's like, what other than, I mean, other than word of mouth, it's like they're going to want to say, where do you get it? Just, and where did he get that information? So as he's typing, he does a hell of a better job than I can ever do. He's not even looking at the keys. <laughs> um, his sister comes in, sees the Polaroid picture of Trevor and Cleve. And I remember the goof about the Liberty Bell picture that they were facing the camera, whereas in this photo they're actually looking at each other and the sister, I'm sure, is going to wonder, like, who is this old man that you're taking a picture with here? So she's like, who is this old man with you? And he's like, oh, it's nobody. And they he takes the picture and kind of shoves it away from her. And he's like, ugh, fine, it's a friend of mine's grandfather, a friend from school named Derek. Oh, my God, go away. You know, this little girl at the beginning sounded smart. Well, she sounded older than what she is. Here she sounds like she's like six years old. Uh, she looks like she's, like, six years old. But in the beginning, it looked like she was, like, maybe nine. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a different actress. I don't know. I only saw one other kid other than Trevor in this van. So who is this kid? So the family's sitting down to breakfast. Trevor is on the way out the door. And her his mother's like, hey, sweetie, don't you want some breakfast? He's like, I got no time, no time. I got to go, got to go. My report's done. Don't worry about it. As he comes out the side door, there is, uh, big stacks of clothes and plastic bags, and I think he probably might take one of the bags, but then again, I'm thinking, you know, they probably account for, like, all of this stuff. If a bag goes missing, they're gonna want to know where it is. So, in class, uh, the teacher collects Trevor's paper, which is really not, like, all the others are all in this plastic binder type thing, and of course... Derek's got nothing but those two crummy pieces of paper that Trevor ripped out of his notebook for him and hands it. And that's when the the teacher just looks at him like, what happened to the team? And I'm like, there is no team. The team just dissolved. Like, just, let's do separate papers! I can't believe that actually was a thing that the teacher suggested that they partner up. No one else was partnering up, were they? So... Trevor kind of comes in and uh, freaks out Cleve, who's uh, looking into a mirror and kind of trimming his his mustache and everything. He's like, hey, I got it done. I turned into the report. And Cleve's a little irritated. He's like, hey, you are going to get us both into a lot of trouble. It's like, sir, you're the one who started talking to him. But then again, if it's going to get you into trouble, you may as well just sever the relationship now before it goes any further. So Trevor offers the bag of clothes, he pulls out a green plaidish looking blazer, and of course Cleve is really, hes he doesn't want to accept the clothes, and he starts like, green's not my color. And Trevor's like, hey, look, you won't accept money, at least accept these clothes, and Cleve uh, kind of digs through the bag, the garbage bag that uh, Trevor brought, and he found something to our surprise—a nice pregnant lady with a couple kids, and um, she's um, doesn't speak English, but the daughter does. Tra- the young daughter does translate. Like, thank you very much. The coat will keep my mother warm for her new baby, which is good. That is so sad. A pregnant lady and her two children are homeless. So, Trevor and Cleve are walking and Cleve does kind of tell Trevor that the the pregnant lady with her two children are homeless. They don't have a place to live. Trevor's like, they don't have a place to live? And he's like, yeah, well, a lot of families are out here. They don't have a place to live. And um, they wind up in a soup kitchen, I think. Or a homeless shelter. So, Cleve is really opening Trevor's eyes to the plight and, and what's going on in the city of philadelphia and and honestly it's not like it's not just philadelphia it's all over the world and even though this is 1991 or 1980 something or whenever this was this took place but um it's terrible and even now especially around this time of year it's even worse so okay, that's a great idea what Trevor's doing. He does uh there's a man eating like some soup or something, and Trevor's like, Sir, do you want these? And Cleve does kinda tell Trevor, like, oh this man he, he doesn't really talk. He's never really said anything. Just set the glove he uh Trevor offers him gloves. So, um and sets them down for him. So yeah. So of course the guy kinda takes the gloves and and looks at him, sets them back down on the table, and then he pulls out a liquor bottle in a brown bag, and he goes to either offer it to Clive or Trevor. Almost like he's thinking like it's supposed to be payment or something. But then Cleve's like kind of pushing Trevor, like, alright, let's 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 get out of here. Let's go to the next table. So Clive goes to offer some mittens to another guy, Mr. Warfield, I believe his name is, who does not accept the gloves at all. And Trevor's like, you actually like that guy? Like, he doesn't seem nice. He's kind of seems standoffish. And, well, according to Cleve, that man was a medic and won three Purple Hearts. In, or, um, or not one, He received them. I'm sorry. Um, and Trevor's amazed. Like, this guy fought in a war, or he was a medic in a war, and he's homeless. That is absolutely horrid. That People who fight for our country, they fight for our lives, and at the end of the day, when they come home, they have nowhere to go. That is terrible, and that is inexcusable. So Trevor and Cleaver are at the railroad station, and Trevor gets an idea in his head, like, hey, if you come home with me, that we could uh, get more of the clothes and deliver them to people. And Cleaver's still trying to warn him, he's like, son, you are, we are very lucky we didn't get caught by my social worker. We could have been in a lot of trouble. So Trevor goes to offer his grandfather's tie to Cleve, which I'm like, oh, don't give him to him. Buddy, that's your grandpa's tie. And even Cleve's like, I can't accept this, as he hands it back to him. Like, it's a nice gesture, a nice offer, but some keep that for yourself. That's your grandfather's tie. So Trevor tells him, you know, take the tie, honestly, I want you to have it. And Cleve does, but he does warn him and says, okay, I will take the tie, but seriously, you need to stay away from me. So, before Trevor leaves, he hugs Clive, and Clive is surprised, like, oh, okay. <laughs> and Trevor leaves. And now, Cleve is at the blood bank, probably to donate again and get some more, eight, eight more dollars. Um, But it turns out, I guess, whether there's a note on his file, as the lady explains to him. So, unfortunately... He is no longer able to donate blood to them because he sa- uh, the nurse says the last few samples that he has given say that he is too low of iron. So probably to protect them, they don't want to take his blood anymore because that's not safe for him. If he's got low bl- uh, low iron, that is not good. So, unfortunately, yeah, they can't take his blood anymore. He leaves, and now he looks like he's trying to go for a job interview for a park ranger, and the man who's doing the conducting the interview asks him, like, what line of work are you looking for? Because it says here you were a dishwasher, and you did this and this and that. And he's just like saying how I, I and imagine like a park ranger that is a job that is very probably very physically demanding. So yeah, the uh the guy given the uh interview is, tells him it is physically demanding. We normally hire young people. And Cleve is telling him how, you know, the Liberty Bell speech I mean I could give that in my sleep. Heck some of my friends say I do. So Just let him conduct it. Be a tour guide. How is that physically demanding? Yeah, you're walking around. So what? Who can't do that? I honestly think if he were to conduct tours and stuff like that, that would be a great job for him. But then again, it also probably boils down to that he does not have an actual address. He doesn't have a place that he's actually living other than that alley. So that might be a problem for him. You know, and also what stinks is the fact that, you know, this man, he's trying. He's trying to find work, but he's getting shut down at every turn, it feels like. He did say he was a carpenter for 20-some years, so. So, Cleve apparently has noticed that the Liberty Bell is misspelled. It's missing an N in Pennsylvania. And the guy is like, oh, really? Huh, okay, I don't see what this has to do with that. I don't see how that relates. It's like, and Cleve's like, yeah, it does. It does relate. It's like, yeah, what the? Well, that was probably a long time ago that the bell was made. Don't ask me when, because I don't know that answer. Apparently, one fact on that resume says that Cleve's been hospitalized many times for alcoholism, and Cleve says he's been sober for two months. Well, two months is better than not at all, but that's not enough to guarantee him a job. Employers are going to see that, and they're going to back away. They're probably going to be turned off from that. Especially if he's only been sober for two months. That's not enough time in their eyes. So the guy tells him, I got nothing for ya." Cleve leaves, and the guy on the bench, who either knows him, kind of holds out a liquor bottle in a brown paper bag. Cleve just gives in, and he chugs that alcohol. And the camera does this quick, like, zoom-in close-up of him chugging that alcohol, like, to show that he's descending, he's giving into this temptation and he feels like he's giving up. Like, he can't even get a job, so what's the point? Now we go back to Bryn Hall and the boys are at their lockers. Derek goes over to Trevor, like, hey, what'd you get? And Trevor's like, oh, hey, actually it was an A+. And of course... Derek got a fail slip. Great. Well, not surprised. I am not surprised at all, Derek. You didn't even put in the effort. You didn't even write that report either. That was Trevor's handwriting. I can understand why Trevor would not have wanted to go in on a report. He would have been doing all the work, which he was. And then he finally just decided to cut ties with Derek. Like, no, no, I'll do it my way and I'll do a good report. Damn this Trevor. He's like, you gotta help me, Trevor. You gotta help me. My uncle's gonna kill me. Like, he doesn't gotta do anything for you, Derek. He does not have to do anything for you. Go away. You're a useless waste of space right now. And you add nothing to the story. So Derek gives him his sob story, his backstory. Apparently... His mother remarried, and the new husband does not like kids. She moved to Colorado, and she just pawned Derek off on her brother, his uncle, who's a military dude. And it's his uncle's money that's going to pay for his education. So Trevor feels bad and says, Hey, meet me in the library tomorrow, then. He's willing to help him out. Derek, I say this to you. you got to be wanting to help yourself you got to want the help to, you know, he, Trevor's not going to do all the work for you. You have to apply yourself. So, Derek's all like, oh, I'll pay you back, man. And this is where Cleve's own voice kind of comes in here with Trevor saying, hey, don't worry about it. Everyone's got their own story. Yeah. So, I'm guessing the reason Trevor's running is he wants to show off his A to Cleve and I can imagine that Cleve is gonna be dead on his ass drunk. So Cleve is hung over as Trevor's like, hey it's our turn paper, show I got an A. And I swear Cleve was sleeping, and I am like, he is gonna puke all over that turn paper that paper of yours, buddy. I would not have let him he, he looks disoriented. And that that Scorpio guy's like, Oh just leave the old man be like shut up guy, shut your mouth. So the Scorpio guy is just watching all of this, and he comes down the stairs. He's like, oh, what's the matter, kid? you never seen a drunk guy before? Like, what that? Go! Shut up! Because Trevor's all awake. He's never seen Clive like this, like, at all. And the guy is just like, he's huddled under this blanket. He's probably got pneumonia or something. He just looks really bad off. Well, not to mention that lady said they couldn't take his butt anymore because he's low of iron. So, I don't know whether that plus drinking and everything is not helping him. So, the Scorpio guy is really getting in Trevor's face. It's like, oh, I bet he didn't tell you he's an alcoholic. Oh, plus he got in a car accident. And Trevor's like, so? Oh, by the way, did he tell you that he killed a kid in this accident? Whoa. Wow. Okay, so I'm guessing that's why they say... Cly Cleve, don't hang around kids, so Cleve's been a drunk and an alcohol or a bum ever since, oh my, okay, so I'm guessing if he killed a kid in this car accident, they probably sued him for everything he got he probably lost all his whatever money he had, his house, if he had one, if he was married, probably his spouse left him. if he had kids, they were probably taken with the spouse. And that's probably, you know, he wound up on the street and he was drinking to try to forget what he did. That's my guess, anyway. Hopefully, maybe if Cleve sobers up, he'll uh, tell Trevor the whole story. So it seems like Trevor and Derek are friends now as they're all playing a game of uh, pickup basketball in a courtyard. And Trevor stops and he sees the tie, his grandfather's tie, so Cleve must have found where he was playing and just left it there. Looks like he just wants to cut all ties with this kid, just be done with him. Which is sad, but So some guy who probably needs some heavy lifting done um find goes to the alley and picks a few guys and Cleve he's like, Hey can you lift your own weight or something like that and Cleve's like, Yep, yep, I can do that. So hopefully you know he pays them decently then. So, Clive gets his money from the guy, and a couple... The guys look like jerks. They look like they're going to try to rob him of his money. Like, hey, you want to join us for a beer? Like, no, no, go away. Those guys will rob you and kill you. They look... So, he hands him a bill, a couple bills, and he just takes off. Like, oh, goodness. Go away. Get away from those men. They will only hurt you. So, Clive heads back to his alleyway... Trevor's waiting for him, says, hey, I gave you this tie. Why won't you take it? I meant for you to have it. And Cleve's like, hey, I got a job now. I'm making money. I can take you for a burger. And Trevor just kind of looks at him like, no, I'm not hungry. I think what that Scorpio man said to Trevor is really sinking in. Like, I don't know if I want to hang around you anymore. So, I noticed that Cleve's voice, because he's been drinking and probably because it's cold, is, he, he's he got, like, the shakes or something like that. As so he's like, you know, Trevor doesn't want to eat. And he's like, well, just watch me eat then. So, so they go to a cafe. So, they're sitting at this cafe, and I guess uh, Trevor decided he was hungry enough, at least, to have a uh, vanilla milkshake. And, um, he says, did you kill that guy? Scorpio said you killed a kid. Um... And apparently, I guess, whoever said said that it wasn't actually Cleve's fault, and Trevor's like, well, were you drunk when it happened? And Cleve's like, no, no, that actually happened after. And he says, you know, he can't control it. It's like, because you have an addiction. You need to be in a rehab facility so they can help you. So Trevor said he's got to go. He's got some friends that are waiting for him at the, uh... The station and the manager is like, Hey, what's this guy doing in here? Last time he was here, he stiffed me like he didn't pay his bill. And Cleve's like, Well, we flipped for it. And he's like, I want you out of here. And even the waitress is like, Well, he paid, you know, he's got money. And the guy's like, I don't care. I want him gone. And Trevor even jumps in. He's like, Excuse me, we're paying customers. He's like, I want both of you out of here now. Like, what a piece of shit. I'm like, fine, I'll leave, but I'll tell everyone that your place fucking sucks and your food is disgusting. And you will have no customers, so. (laughs) Fuck you, asshole. So they step out of the cafe and Cleve's a little concerned because it's snowing. Like, what's this? They said it wouldn't snow till after Christmas. Well, you know what? The weather is always changing, so you never know what it's going to do from one day to the next. So Trevor is shopping with his mom and sister, and they decide to get a soft... Cashmere sweater that probably costs a shit ton. Because the mother remarks on the price, like, oh, let's get it for your dad. And then Trevor's like, hey, can I go? I got my own shopping to do. And she's like, Oh, can you take your sister? And he's like, uh, oh, fine. So Cleve's having some issues with some of the big boxes that he's having to carry. The man on the job sees that Cleve is struggling, says, Hey Pops, I'm gonna have to let you go here you go, let's call it a Christmas bonus. And, and Cleve is like, well, no, no, I'm doing really, really good. This sucks. Because this man is the only one who's really given him a chance. I mean, granted, he just went into an alleyway and started saying, you, 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 you of you homeless men, come with me. So Trevor, is, her, Trevor and his sister are walking, and they see the Salvation Army playing. The little girl who was with the pregnant woman says, you have to hurry, my mom, I think the baby's coming. Uh, I think that's the Scorpio guy who was playing the uh, sax earlier, so he must play with the Salvation Army Band. So... Trevor sees a little girl. She's like, no, no, my mom, my mom. She's having a baby. And Trevor's like, well, what hospital is she And And she's like, no, no, I have to go and help. And Trevor drags his sister to follow the the girl of the mother who's giving birth. Oh, my God. And it's cold. And that baby's not going to make it. It's too cold. So, the baby's born. We don't find out if it's a girl or a boy or what its name is. And... Trevor's sister's kind of pulling on his hand, like, Mom is going to kill us, we're going to be late, come on, let's go, let's go! And Trevor runs into Cleve's caseworker. Fuck. Is that guy really a caseworker? He makes me nervous. He's got that cane, he just, I, I, I don't know. So, now... Cleve's caseworker is now talking to Trevor's parents. They had no idea that Trevor was spending time with Cleve. They don't like it, being that the guy is not only homeless, he is also a drunk, according to Trevor's father. Like, why aren't these people in hospitals? And Cleve's social worker says, well, unfortunately, the laws have changed. There really is nothing that can be done unless the people want help themselves. The law is not going to enforce it. So... Cleve tells Scorpio as they're warming their hands over a uh, trash can fire, like, "Hey, I wish you hadn't have told Trevor about my whole thing with that accident and whatnot, and you're scaring him away." And Scorpio's like, "Hey, um, he, Trevor's fine from what I've seen, seen, you know he was the one that was playing the saxophone with the Salvation Army band." So we learned that the uh, Scorpio guy used to be in a band and he was living the good life on top of the world. He probably got drafted, and by the time he got out of the army, the whole scene had changed, everything was different, and he just wound up living on the streets or something. I mean, that sucks. So Trevor is sleeping, and his sister comes to wake him up, says, hey, what do they name the baby, you know, the one that you took me to see be born, and was like, I don't know. And um He thinks, you know, he'll get in trouble if he sees Clive again. But he takes the Polaroid that was taken of him and Clive and shows it to his sister and she's like, This looks like somebody. Who does this look like? And was like, It looks like grandpa. And she's like, Yeah, it does look like grandpa. So, Cleve is sleeping by the fire, and we get those damn assholes who were asking him to go for a drink. They're gonna fucking rob him and kill that poor man. I knew those men were trouble as they walked into the alley, throwing their glass liquor bottles to the ground. Yeah, they're wasted. Where is that Scorpio man? He needs to kick their asses. So, I'm guessing this must be around the train station area, um... Trevor sees the girl whose mother had a baby, and she says that the baby's name is Philip. I couldn't really understand her. And she's like, I'm so sorry about your friend. I hope he doesn't die. And Trevor's like, wait, what? She's like, yes, your friend, Mr. Merriweather. He was hurt real bad. Oh, no. So, she tells him that um, Cleve's in the hospital, and now we go to the hospital where Cleve is probably getting busted ribs. And his social worker's like, hey, Cleve, you're lucky it was just your ribs, or just your money. And like, uh, Cleve's all like, well, a buck's a buck. So, it looks like they got a room set up for him, probably another halfway house or something. But, hey, at least it'll be better than him being out in the cold. So it looks like Scorpio because Cleve asks how Scorpio and his uh, social worker says that it looks like Scorpio left town, which is probably just as well. The nurse comes in and says that a young boy who says he's your grandson has come to see you. And Cleve says, hey, why don't you tell him to go away? And his social worker says, no, let him see you. It's better this way. You need to end this. So Trevor's like, hey, I want us to be friends. And Cleve's like, well, see, that's a problem because I don't. Not after everything that happened with me getting beat up. Like, buddy, that, I know you want to be his friend, but he, he could have been killed. And if you would have been with him, you probably would have been killed or hurt or killed too. So I'm sure deep down Cleve doesn't mean this, but he does have to say what he has to say to keep Trevor away from him. He basically says, hey, I got a room at a hotel that they'll let me stay there all winter, but I don't want you to blow that shot for me, okay? And you bad luck having you around me. And, you know, he doesn't mean it, but it's like this kid's got to realize that he cannot be hanging around him. That is too dangerous for both of their sakes. Okay, so Cleve does bring up, um, remember when you asked me if I killed a kid in an accident, and it turns out it wasn't just a kid, it was my kid, my son Danny, He was 13. And Cleve says, you know, it turns out, you know, I've been, I was just using you the whole time, you know, but you're not Danny, you're not my son. I think that maybe Cleve was lonely, and he saw Trevor, and he wanted to, you know, be like a, a, a pal, or maybe a You know, take the boy under his wing and teach him some stuff about Benjamin Franklin and stuff. But, yeah. So Cleve is just telling him to get and also saying, you know, it's my son Danny is who I care about, not you. I don't care about you. So he's really, like, just really trying to make Trevor angry, to push him away, to make him stay away. And it's sad, you know, but like I said, he has to do this. So having heard enough, Trevor turns around and runs out of the room. Now he's at home, lying on his bed, flipping through the channels, and there's nothing on. Or mostly, he's probably just distracted about what's going on with with Cleve. So his mom is calling Trevor, like Trevor, where are you? I'm like, damn it, he's in his fucking room. As he comes down the stairs, like, damn, where did you think he was? He's in your house. <laughs> She's like, oh, the phone's for you. It's Derek. And, of course, I guess Derek got tired of waiting because Trevor picks up the phone. Like, hello? Hello? Oh, he hung up. Um, Looks like, uh, well, the mom just says, well, why don't you just call him back? And Trevor's like, no, Derek just wants to know if he can sleep over. And his mom's like, well, that's a Christmas party coming up, so you guys are going to have to rent a video. So, the... Cookies, chocolates, whatever they are that Trevor's mom made for him to give to his teacher, he decides to take them to the Savoy Hotel where Cleve is staying. So Trevor, of course, you know, he remembers um, that Cleve doesn't want to see him, so he just drops the food off and runs off. I mean, the hotel is run down and everything, but honestly, I gotta say, even though the wallpaper's peeling off the walls and it looks gross, it's better than a cardboard box outside because you got a roof over your head, an actual roof over your head. So Cleve is looking at the cookies and there's a little Santa decoration on the lid of the cookie tin and he just kind of starts laughing and then he starts crying. And now it's a Christmas, Christmas party at Trevor's house. He and Derek are upstairs flipping through the channels, and there's the news saying that a section of Pennsylvania and the city they live in is without water and heat. Oh, my gosh. So it doesn't look good. There's uh, areas that do not have heat or running water. Trevor's like, that's it. I'm going down there to see what I can do. He's like, come on, Derek, go with me. And Derek's like, no, first of all, the trains are only running until midnight. And then it's like, well, how the hell are we going to get back here? And Trevor's like, no, no, don't worry about it. We'll figure it out once we get there. It's like, Derek doesn't want to go. He's like, well, okay, you can stay here. Yeah, he'll stay there in your room by himself. No. No. So Trevor's got a sleeping bag and stuff that he took over to Cleve's and it turns out when he knocked on the door it's not Cleve that answers, it's the little girl with the mom who had the baby and her brother. And he's like, well where's Cleve? Where is he? And she says, well he gave us our, um, his room and he just left. Oh no. There's 11 minutes left of this movie, guys. I am worried. So the little girl tells Trevor that Cleve says thank you for the cookies, that he loved them, and he loves you. So it's a damn blizzard out there as Trevor is running, trying to find Cleve. Trevor finds Cleve and unfortunately, I think he, Cleve is gone. He, he, he froze to death and oh. mm, I'm sorry. Um, oh my gosh. They cut back to um, Trevor's family. The police are there. They're looking for Trevor, but luckily they found him, and he is down there in that alley. He's got a sleeping bag on Cleve, and his parents see him there, and Trevor is just like, you know, you wanted to help people you didn't even know and everything, but you couldn't help him. Oh, my gosh. This is breaking my heart. (laughs) This is sad. So, his parents... Yeah, like I said, his parents find him and he does not want to leave Cleve. And he's like, he, you guys thought he was a bum, but no, he's my friend. He's my friend. And, um... They are able to get Trevor to go home because Trevor's now sleeping in his bed. And I think his parents are just... Just uh, trying to deal with, you know, what they saw and what Trevor said to them is really thinking and about you're helping people you don't even know and you couldn't even help Cleve. You couldn't even offer to help him. So Trevor and his family and even Derek are helping, uh, helping pass out uh, blankets and um, soup and stuff like that, you know, hot drinks to people that are living around the alleyway and in that uh Savoy Hotel. So we all thought Scorpio like left town and it turns out he is playing the sax and Trevor goes over to him like I thought you left. Like is that your car? And Scorpio's like, "Yeah, I got a job. I just came back to you know see you." And um Trevor and Scorpio are at Um, Cleve's gravesite, and Scorpio is playing the funeral song. I'm not sure what the official title is of it, though. So we see his grave marker says Cleveland Merriweather, Minister of Education. And Trevor bends down with this penny. says, you know what I wished, Cleve? I wish that I could see my grandfather's face when he sees you wearing his tie. (laughs) That's cute. So Trevor gets up and he leaves the cemetery, and and that's pretty much where the movie ends. This was a good movie. Oh my gosh. This was sad, too. I, um, like I said, uh, the podcast I listened to, I heard them mention something about the poor man freezing to death, and it's like, I knew that going into this movie, but it still didn't make it hurt any less when I saw it. So that is the episode. I hope you all enjoyed this podcast episode and you all have a Merry Christmas. So I will conclude the podcast with the last two final episodes of The Wonder Years of Season 6 next week after Christmas. And then we'll be done with The Wonder Years. So, alright. Bye-bye, everybody.